welcome to episode 40 of Roll, Play, Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I am Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands and the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Man, that feels good to say. Hello, friends. I am finally back from hiatus. I know it took a little longer for this return to happen than I intended, but that's because we had a pretty exciting life development happen last month. Brenton accepted a job offer with WizKids, the producer of, you know, things like your D&D and Pathfinder minis. (laughs) It's an in-person role based in their Seattle office, so we spent the month of January frantically packing up our lives and moving to yet another state. This means I've lived in five states now, so that's fun. (laughs) I do apologize for basically disappearing for a while, but the good news is that I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm mostly recovered from my surgery. We're all unpacked and just starting a new chapter of our lives. We still have a handful of interviews that were recorded last October, so I am excited to finally share those with you in the coming weeks. Today's guest is probably going to make you crave sweets like nothing else. I had the honor of speaking with Hannah Smith, the owner of Cacao CH3, a chocolate shop that sells delicious confections, including chocolate dice. I can confirm that they are very realistic looking and very delicious. I gave everybody in my D&D party a tin of chocolate dice for Christmas, and they legitimately thought that they were dice. They were really confused when I just like grabbed one and ate it in front of them. It was, it was great. <laughs> in this interview, I learned just how ignorant I am about the food business as Hannah went into great detail about all of the steps she had to take just to be able to launch her online food store. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people about just all of the work it takes to launch a store, then add the fact that it's food and there's a lot more rules around that. So it's really interesting to hear about all of that how she keeps up with her orders that are all made to order because you can't really have a whole lot of inventory on hand when it's food. And we went over some of her goals for the future. For a small disclaimer slash update, like I said, this was recorded in October of last year. Some of her priorities have had to shift since then. So if you are wanting to go grab yourself some chocolate, which I absolutely recommend. The stock is just a bit more limited these days. She's still in business, but make sure that if you have a deadline that you order early to give her enough time to make your chocolate. The last thing that I'm going to bring up is that as always, I would love to hear from you. So if you're as excited as I am to have the show come back, then please tell me in a review. Spotify now has a review function, so that is another great place for you to post your review, as is Apple Podcasts. Reviews help more folks find the show, and they help keep me motivated. You know, we hit a year since the podcast launched last month, and as much as I had wanted to do a big, like, hey, it's been a year episode, I just was not in the cards. But anyway, I've been here for a year. Super excited to be with you guys. I am super excited to be back. And if you're also happy about that, I'd love to hear it. That is all for now. So welcome back. Please enjoy this conversation with Hannah. Today, I am joined by the very talented Hannah Smith, the owner of Cacao CH3. Hello, Hannah. How are you today? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. I am excited that we get to talk. I know it scheduling was a little wonky yeah. for a bit. <laughs> the stars were not aligning. They were not, but they are now, and yeah. I'm happy about it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, will you tell us a bit about who you are and how you got into gaming? So I'm Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got into gaming from my dad. Uh, he, like, one day was like, hey, my friends, they want to do a D&D campaign. Like, I know you've been wanting to do stuff like that, but haven't really like found people to do it with. So if you want, you can come do it with us. Like their kids also are going to be like some of their kids are also going to be at the table with us. So like you're welcome to. And I was like, okay, let's go. So I get there and I'm like, obviously, you know, I like Lord of the Rings. So I'm going to be an elf because, you know, if you're not an elf, you're a hobbit. But then I ended up being a half orc fighter. And I was like, well, 
you know, I thought I was going to be doing cool magic stuff and now I'm just here fighting. But it was a lot of fun. And then from there, I met like some friends through a mutual friend. And then now I'm in like four different campaigns (laughs) and I run one of my own campaigns. So it's like, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) That's awesome. What campaign are you running? I'm doing Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's I kind of had been like writing my own campaign and I wanted to do something like a time warp with dinosaurs. And then my boyfriend was like, oh, well, if you run this like module, it does have like dinosaurs in it. So you can kind of use this as the base and then eventually like run into the stuff that you had been writing. I was like, wow, that's actually a great idea. (laughs) It's so tricky, though, like all of the traveling through the jungle, all of the sicknesses and stuff. It's a lot of work, but it's so much fun when it like pans out well. Yeah, I haven't actually played through that one yet. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. But I've heard a lot of like, oh, God, you're all going to die, but it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was one day where I'm like, well, I I almost killed my boyfriend because he's one of the players. I'm like, well, I'm sorry (laughs) about that. But yeah, if you die, you can't really come back to life. Like if you get below zero, like. You know, it's like you kind of just have to start over. And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, there's a curse. Like, (laughs) I'm like, it's unfortunate, but, you know. And he's like, so you are trying to kill us. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to. It just might happen (laughs) a lot sooner than it would in another campaign. But that's okay. (laughs) I mean, it's in the title. You're going to get annihilated. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like if you're going into that expecting like, rainbows and flowers you're probably not playing the right campaign so how do you feel about dming versus being a player are you enjoying it do you uh, you said you're in like playing in four campaigns yeah oh my goodness being a dm in my opinion is so much more fun than being a player like i like being a player and i like having like things that i can do but i think being a dm is so much more fun because you kind of have like what you think this story is gonna be but then when the players do something, I don't know, just, you know, when you're a kid and you're daydreaming about like how your day is going to go or like if you go to Disneyland, like how Disneyland's going to go. And then sometimes you're like, oh, but if this happens, then this changes that. That's how being a DM feels like sometimes. It's like I daydream about how like the session's going to go and then something just crazy happens and it just like, blows away all my expectations and it's just so amazing and so much fun. I'm like, I just want to play all the time and I just think about it all the time. It is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've just started DMing a long campaign recently too. And I'm like, no, this is this is good. This is great. Yeah, it's it's crazy how like different the experience is like being a player versus being a DM. Definitely. Well, let's switch gears a bit and For any of our listeners who are not familiar yet, can you tell us what Cacao CH3 is? So it's a small chocolate business where I also make chocolate dice. And I make gummy dice, but right now I'm not making them because it just takes a lot of production to do both. And I've been really swarmed with orders. So chocolate dice. (laughs) That's awesome. And that is a good problem to have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) But also, I'm sure, overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, how did you get into making chocolates? So when I was younger, I wanted to do engineering, architecture, (laughs) or work with food. And then I realized that baking was both like working with food, but also like doing the science stuff that I enjoyed. And then when I like went to culinary school, and like, as soon as I started working with chocolate, I just instantly fell in love with it. I'm like, this Like chocolate is engineering, like when you're tempering it and then when you're letting it set, like the way the crystals like form, like in my brain, I'm like, this is chemistry, but it's also like the engineering that my brain loves. (laughs) And then it's just like, after that moment, I couldn't like get away from it. I'm like, no, everywhere I would work, I'm like, I just want to work with chocolate. Like just put me in the chocolate side of the business. (laughs) Yeah, I guess like, did you get a couple of jobs outside of that where you were able to focus on chocolate specifically or was that more of a challenge? So I had worked at Universal and the lead that I had there, like at the time for a lot of like big catering orders, he would let me do like the chocolate garnishes for it because 
I like showed him just like stuff that I had done in school. And so like whenever stuff would come up, he'd be like, yeah, Hannah I can do it. So I kind of got to work with it there. And then um, from Universal, I started working at a chocolate shop called Mila's Chocolates. Their their chocolate's amazing. But um, yeah, it was just really small at the time. And it was like I was working out of somebody else's house. So I'm like, you know, I could be doing my own chocolate business for my own house instead of like doing this for somebody else at their own house, like in a weird like thought process. But yeah, their chocolates were amazing. And we didn't get to work with like the chocolate for doing like the bonbons and stuff as much. I did a lot of dragées, like chocolate covered nuts. So yeah, I wanted to also be able to work with chocolate a little bit more. And then I started working at Bottega Louis and I got hired as a production pastry cook. So yeah, that just flew out like throughout any like possibility of working like just with chocolate because when you're on a production team, you have so much to do. So it's like there is no chance of me sneaking to the chocolate room to try to work with the stuff. So I was like, well, I just got to work on my own business now. Yeah, I guess walk me through how you got started doing it yourself. So in college, I had like when I was in culinary school, like I had a friend who we were both like, oh, we're going to start like making candies together. So we like had started and we were like already looking at doing like all the business stuff. But I lived in San Francisco at that time. When you, when I moved back to LA, I had to like change all the business stuff because I'm in a different county. So at that point, like we were just developing recipes and stuff. And she decided that it wasn't really for, for her. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it's like I have these recipes that I like. Like, for instance, I made my lavender caramel, which I still use today. But I was like, you know I need to kind of get like experience in the field before I'm just going to make my own business like right out of culinary school. So then I started like working, but also like developing recipes. And then, yeah, when I was working at the chocolate place, I'm like, this does look like doable. You know, it's like, yeah, it's going to take a lot of like time, effort and like money from your pocket, but it can be doable. So then, yeah, after like working a little bit more in the industry, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit down and do it. And so then it took a lot of like working on packaging because making like figuring out packaging for chocolate that is um, reasonably priced, but then, you know, you know, still like appropriate for food, I guess is a good way to say it since I can't think of the other word. So then I went into like that aspect of just like working on like, okay, make my packaging final because I was, you know, like making different flavors and like, friends and family would like buy them or like taste them out for me and let me know like, oh, this texture is weird or like this tastes good, but you know, it's like, it's too sweet or it's not sweet enough. So it's like, it kind of started that way. And then my dad was always like, Hannah, you got to make sure you get your licenses. You got to make sure you do this. I'm like, you know what, dad, you're right. So then at the beginning of COVID, I'm like, I'm cracking down and getting like all of my stuff, like all my ducks in a row. And like getting this stuff going. So I got like all the licenses and permits and the the LLC and all that stuff. And then my tax information, which is, yeah, that stuff's so much work. But obviously it's like you need it so that nothing bad can happen to you. And then from there, I made my website like in April, like of the beginning of COVID last year, I guess that was. It always seems so long. And then, yeah, just started like promoting from there. I didn't realize that it's only been since really the start of COVID. It feels like I've been seeing you on Twitter for so long now. Yeah, I mean, my regular chocolate, I've been posting for a while, you know, and it's like, and I already had that stuff kind of like figured out. But then it's like when when COVID came, it's like, okay, I couldn't ship before because of certain like permits. And then I could only have certain items because you can't have stuff with cream so it's like before I can have caramels but now it's like now I can so when you have like a different cottage license you can have you can sell different items so then it just shifted like at the beginning of COVID because I'm like if I'm gonna do this I might as well do all the stuff that I want to do and just like go go all the way with it like go hard or, or go home you know instead of just doing it like oh well I'm I'm doing okay selling these things like to people that come to my door, but it's like, or I could just like make all these items that I really like making. And then before my caramel, like my lavender caramel, it was just sugar and then water because 
that's just how I made it. And then now it's like the texture of it is so much better because I started adding cream to it. And now I sell like caramel by the jar or like actual caramels instead of like a chocolate with a thin layer of caramel in it. So yeah, it just changes a lot of. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, obviously I know that you have to have like licenses and to be able to sell food items, but are there additional licenses needed to be able to ship food items? There's like different um, types of like cottage licenses. So there's like an A, a B and C. So it's like those determine like the way you can sell to people. So it's like A, I think it is like you can just sell directly to someone. And then like it, it just depends. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, so just like the different uh, license enables you to sell where like you don't have to be present to sell to someone. So it's like then you can start selling at stores. You can start shipping depending on the item, obviously. Like you can't ship cupcakes. Yeah, I I can see that. (laughs) You mentioned like the struggle of having to find packaging. And just I know there was so much that went into being able to even just get set up in the first place. Yeah. So I'm curious about, I guess, like while you were getting all of the licenses and all the tax paperwork and all of that set up, like what were you able to kind of work on at the same time? Like how long did it take you to research packaging? What were some other things that maybe surprised you as you were just trying to do all of the things to get ready? (laughs) So yeah, the packaging, I think for like the chocolate bars was the hardest because, well, I didn't really start selling chocolate bars anyways until like Maybe like halfway through COVID is when I was like, oh my goodness, people would want to buy chocolate bars because they're like convenient, you know. But yeah, trying to find like the foil for them was just so difficult. The like so many places were sold out because of COVID. So I'm just like, okay. So then I like one of my chocolate bars I wrapped in two foils because they didn't have large enough foils. And then finally they like got in other foils. But then uh, putting like the labeling on things was the hardest thing to figure out because, you know, you have to have like all the ingredients and stuff listed on there. And then obviously it's like the just like the 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 front like packaging to make sure it's like, okay these are what the bars are. But then also to have my brand was so hard to figure out because not only are things expensive, but they're just not like efficient. You know, it's like getting envelopes like printed somewhere. It's like okay, well, if I'm going to be selling four different flavors of bars, then it's like, that's not really practical to get like customized envelopes because then it's like, if I sold out of this, of this chocolate bar, but I still have more of this, but I only have this like envelope left, then, you know, it's like, well, I'm kind of screwed and I got to wait until the other envelopes come in, which obviously staying on top of inventory helps, but so then I got a crit cut and that honestly just changed everything for me because it made my packaging so much easier because then I could label things and I could label things like to what each thing was, which was the hardest thing to figure out because trying to find packaging with like for multiple items is so difficult because yeah, like I said, it's expensive and just like not efficient for some of the ways to do it. So that was, I think, like one of the hardest things to figure out is like how to do that and have it still look like presentable and not just like, oh, here's like some thing that I crafted on an envelope, you know, like it needs to look like a business did it. So that was so difficult to figure out. God, there's so many things to have to think about, like. I, I mean, there are with any kind of product business, but especially once you get into food, because it's just, you, yes. you, you mentioned the ingredients. I'm like, oh, duh, of course you have to list the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess like what's been kind of the evolution of the different products that you have made? So I know you mentioned that you started off with just a couple and then you started to slowly add things, but I just love to know more about how that's evolved over the last year and a half-ish. Mm-hmm. So before I used to just sell bonbons, so just have like a ganache filling. And then I started selling chocolate bars. And then last summer, my friends and I, like we were playing D&D a lot because they were moving in with my boyfriend and I. So we were all like roommates. So it's like, oh, we're roommates. We can see each other during COVID. Now we can like actually play D&D with each other. 
So we got super excited. We were playing D&D a lot. And then we would always joke about eating the dice. And then one day I was like, I can make candy dice. And they're like, yeah, you have to figure out a way. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I can do this. Like, So then that's how the, the candy dice came into the picture. And then after that was when I was like, oh, I should be making chocolate bars. Like chocolate bars are so convenient. Like if I'm at a pop-up or something, it's such an easy thing to grab and keep in your purse and hopefully it won't melt. Like that's why I don't do pop-ups in the summer though, but (laughs) hopefully it won't melt and it's just like easy to eat and then save for later at the same time. So then I added chocolate bars and then so many people just love the chocolate bars. So I was like, okay, now I can like play around with what chocolate bars work, what chocolate bars don't. And then, yeah, I just started adding. So I did like a rose and pistachio because I had done rose and pistachio bark one year for Christmas and people really loved it. So I was like, how do I turn this into a bar instead of a bark? Because bark is a little bit more like, you know, like free flowing. And I like my stuff to be really crisp in design. So then, yeah, I figured out how to like put the rose and pistachio in there with the layer of white chocolate and then layer like the dark chocolate on the front so that you got both layers of the white and dark chocolate but it still looked really aesthetically pleasing and then I started working on smaller chocolate bars so my brothers like chocolate but sometimes they tell me my stuff's a little bit weird for them because it's like lavender rose you know so obviously for kids yeah those flavors are kind of different so then I came out with my crisp bar because I was like what's well, I also accidentally got shipped milk chocolate. So I was like, how do I make a, a chocolate bar for kids that I can use the milk chocolate in? And I can make it to where like kids would want to eat it. So then I was like, oh, you know, something simple like a crisp bar, super simplistic, still looks nice. But, you know, both kids and adults will eat it. So that's just kind of like how like a lot of the more popular items can to get together it's like oh who's my audience for this item kind of thing yeah that makes a lot of sense I guess how long did it take before you were listing things online oh a couple of months but well I guess it's like before I was listing things online it was like maybe like a year you know of like but that was before COVID like when I was actually like I'm gonna do things but before I like really cracked down so it's like just starting to get everything's in the works. And then so that was just like leading up to me, like having my own website and like actually starting to put stuff online. So I would say, yeah, like a year that kind of like got everything to come together. Okay, cool. One thing I'm curious about too is that, you know, with food, I feel as though you can't really have a huge inventory on stock. So what is the life cycle of the products that you're making, like, are you making them when the orders come in or do you have like a small amount of inventory and then let orders come in? How does that work? For the most part, I make them when orders come in. So like, or for the bonbons, I'll make like the fillings, you know? So it's like, okay, I have the fillings. I'll post like the, here are the new flavors, make the fillings. And then it's like, when orders come in, then I'll make the bonbons. And those last for like a month. If you, like, if you leave them out on the, table I say just a week to be safe you know and then but you if you freeze them they could last for like up to six months but like the chocolate dice and all of that stuff yeah I just do it to order and that's why sometimes like the shipping can take two to three weeks you know it's like I'm I have a small part of my kitchen where I'm doing it from so I can't really like store too much especially if I'm not like having people pick up chocolate every day because I don't want if I accidentally send out something that's already been on the shelf for like a week, it's like, I don't want my customer to get it after it's already been on the shelf for a week, even if it can last three more weeks, you know, it's like, I'd rather get like, have them get a fresh item, but it definitely is hard. (laughs) I bet like without giving away like trade secrets or anything, I would love to know kind of what your process is for, yeah, I guess creating these. So you get the orders that they come in and then like how much time are you spending on like a day or a week kind of processing and creating the chocolates? The chocolate dice, uh, depending on like if before I had other flavors for the chocolate dice, but 
starting October, I just started doing like different colors for like, you know, the fun Halloween like colors. But with like certain flavors with like the stuff in it, it takes it makes the chocolate take a little bit longer to set up. So sometimes like chocolate dyes can take anywhere from like cleaning the molds, making sure that they're dry and then, you know, tempering the chocolate, piping the chocolate inside each like dice. And right now I have just four uh, dice, like dice sets, like molds of dice sets, which I need to get more. So it's like maybe like a day or a few hours of making, like if it's a regular, just no flavor added, then, you know, it's maybe like three or four hours for four dice sets. If it's like the other flavors, then it's typically like a whole day for them to set in the molds before I unmold them. And then I unmold all of them. And then I just like put like if I have, for instance, if I have 20 dice set orders, then I make all the dice, I unmold all of them. And then from there, I package them. That way, it's like when I'm labeling the containers, I'm ensuring that I'm not mixing stuff up. It's easier, you know, it's like, oh, I have all the flavors separated, or I have all the colors separated. Now I'm going to package just this flavor, and then label it and then put it to the side. And now I'm going to package just this flavor, label it, and put it to the side. Luckily, the packaging for the dice is pretty quick. So it's more of like making the dice that takes a long time. And then the chocolate bars, the molds for like the crisp bars, the crisp bar takes maybe like an hour to set. But then I have to polish the the chocolate bar molds to make sure that it's shiny on the outside. So I have to yeah clean them, make sure they dry and I air dry them because uh, for the molds, if you use like paper towels and stuff, you can scratch it and then the chocolate will like seep in to those scratches and it won't like demold properly. So I, there's just no, like for me, there's no point in like possibly ruining my molds, you know? So I just let them air dry. And then after that, I polish them, I hand paint them and then I put in like the toppings and then I put in the chocolate and then it sets in like an hour and then I do the whole process over again. Wow, there's so much that goes into this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, girl, you need to charge more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Me saying this, I'm like, wow, my prices are so cheap. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I've costed all of it out. Like in, in school, we did like the business side. So it's like, I know how to cost out my recipe. <laughs> Well, that's actually really cool that that was, I mean, it makes sense, but like, I guess I didn't realize that you'd have big business and or costing classes as part of culinary school. Yeah, we had like a, a, a food costing class and like that's in that class are a sustainable food class. So we learned about like food costing, uh, the most like su- sustainable way to buy foods. Where's the better place to buy foods? Like what type of foods can you get from certain distributors kind of thing? And then I had another class where it was a restaurant business management class. So we basically learned like how to make, like if we were going to make a business plan to take to like a bank, it's like that class was basically that. Like we learned all the ins and outs of like what the, the business side you would need to know basically for starting up a restaurant. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it was super helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anything from that class that you feel like you use on just like a daily basis? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the, the food costing, obviously. And then, so in that class, obviously we're not like making the food and selling, like having people taste it. So we took like a menu and we would do surveys for like what foods people would prefer like what time of days people would prefer kind of like that stuff. And so with my website, I have analytics so I can see like, oh, like I the other day I was looking at it. And most of the time when people order chocolate for me, it's either at noon. So like lunchtime or 8 p.m. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, when people are like hungry or like when people are getting ready for like a night snack. <laughs> So it's like how, so like in business, in that business class, we learned how to take advantage of like these surveys. So just having that knowledge, looking at the analytics, I'm like, okay, now I know it's like, if I post like at 1130, then it's like people going on like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they're going to be seeing those posts. And it's like, oh, you know what? I'm actually kind of hungry right now. I will order some chocolate. (laughs) 
That is so insightful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's spotting lots of thoughts right now. I'm just like, okay, okay. That's good advice. <laughs> okay. Well, so something else I would love to know is... I mean, obviously, it's like an ever-changing thing. So looking at when you first got started and you launched the ability to take online orders, I know something that is always difficult to figure out, especially at the very beginning, is just how much product to have on hand. So obviously, you're making most of your stuff to order, but even just having like all of the ingredients and how much packaging and you know, how did you decide how much you were going to invest ahead of time? when you weren't sure what was going to sell or how well it was going to sell. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that that honestly was the like most difficult thing. So for like the bonbon boxes, I bought a hundred of each size. I was like, okay, you know, it's like first, first year of like these boxes, I'm pretty sure like I'm not going to sell out. They sold out and now, like, the the packaging company that I got them from, they're sold out of them, too. Like, I'm pretty sure it's, like, a COVID thing. Mm. And I'm just like, well, my customers got used to these, and I thought I was going to have them for a lot longer. And I didn't think that I was going to need to be looking at the place, like, sooner. And now they're sold out. So <laughs> that's not good. And then for, like, inventory, so for chocolate, I was just ordering, like, 10 to 20 pounds when I would do it. Like, so for a month, I would order, like, 10 to 20 pounds of chocolate. Depending, like, summer, just 10 pounds. It's, like, for Valentine's Day, for May, because of Mother's Day. And then for, like, holiday months, I would order 20 pounds at the beginning of each month. And then I quickly realized that during holidays – 20 pounds would last me just three days of making chocolate (laughs) and not a whole month. And it's like, okay. So now I know like once it hits September, which I yeah recently had an issue with that last month. So I had like a 50 pound, 50 pound case of chocolate and I was like, perfect. And then I just got so many orders. So at the beginning of this month, I was like, well, now I need to order like chocolates to do for this wedding order that I have and I need them right now and then it came a day later than it was supposed to and I was just like well of course this this would happen because I didn't think that I was gonna go through 50 pounds of chocolate so but yeah it's still kind of hard to figure out because you know like stuff fluctuates so much but I just kind of like for the chocolate bars I just each month it's like okay I'm gonna assume that I'm gonna sell a hundred chocolate bars. So I'm going to have like enough ingredients for a hundred chocolate bars. And we'll see from there, like if I sell more or if I don't, and then I can know to adjust it for the next month. So it's like for during the summer that actually like helped a lot, just having that mindset of like adjusting. So once it got to June and I couldn't really do pop-ups anymore, it's like, okay, now I can dial back. So I know not to really spend too much money on buying these ingredients since I won't really be able to like use them until September. And then in August, I just did a big stock of like all the stuff, but yeah, inventory is really hard. And I've done inventory for like when I worked at universal, but obviously that's a huge scale. So it was so hard to like find the halfway of like not having too little, but having more than enough for a month, because if you just have enough for a month and you run out, then it's like you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off trying to make chocolate when you don't have any chocolate to make the chocolate. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And then especially as you continue to gain followers and grow, like, yes, it's exciting, but also it's going to be even harder, I feel, to keep up with all of the orders and the fact that even just now you ordered like 50 pounds and you're like, oh yeah, this is a lot more than I was. Just kidding. Still not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, I only have so much space to store it because I have like a specific part of my kitchen that's for like all of my chocolate stuff so that it's like it's, it's stored separately from um, like all the stuff for just like regular day use because that's also like one of the things that comes with like having a, a food business from home. You can't really like store like your spatulas with like the rest of the tools for the kitchen because you know it's if someone doesn't wash the dish dish correctly puts it with your spatulas and you don't see it it's like that could be possible contamination or just like people touching stuff if their hands aren't washed 
possible contamination, you know. So I only have so much space in my kitchen to store this stuff for for the chocolate. So it's like, sometimes it's hard. It, it makes a really good point on the cross-contamination risks. So do you just have like a, one section of the kitchen that's devoted to storage for the business specifically? Yeah. So I have my like own fridge for my business. And then I have like a workbench, a, a metal table, and that has like storage underneath. And then I have three shelves because on my kitchen, it has like this open area that's supposed to be used for like a breakfast table or like a coffee table kind of thing. And I was like, well, we don't need to have coffee in the kitchen. So I'm just going <laughs> to turn this into my workstation. <laughs> so yeah, luckily it I have three shelves, you know, it's like our three cabinet things. So there's like a decent amount of space, but with like the amount of orders that I've been getting, it's just hard to store everything in there. So it's like sometimes I just wait until I am like sold out of an item and then I just go on the website and I'm like sold out of this and then wait until I can like store the stuff, you know, until I put it back in stock because... Yeah, I don't want to possibly cross contaminate or have any issues with that. Or like, you know, if the if an inspector like randomly shows up, it's like that would be very bad. So it's just but there's a yeah, there's a good amount of space. It's just once you when you're getting like 30 orders a week, it's like that's not really enough space anymore. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Do you get to make new designs right now or is it just trying to keep up with everything takes all of your time? New designs for like chocolate, like the our flavors or I, any of that, yeah. So at at the end of summer, I just kind of like did a thing of like, okay, here are gonna be my fall flavors that I'm gonna sell during October, and then here are gonna be the like Christmas flavors. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving, so I it kind of just for me, it's like, okay, here's. Here's fall and spooky season into Christmas season. So I just set up like all the flavors that I was going to make. And then I did like trial runs of the different flavors. And it's like, okay, now I know like here's the recipes that I'm going to use for Christmas time. And then here's the recipes that I'm going to use for fall. And then now as it comes up, it's like I already have the recipes made. I already know what I'm going to do. And then I can just easily flow into it. So luckily, like having downtime in the summer, like does help for stuff like that, especially like coming up to the holiday season. Oh, yeah, definitely. Holidays are always wild. But yeah, it's definitely a trend I've noticed in retail across the board is that summer is definitely one of those slower times. So it it's nice when you have the ability to kind of work ahead. Yeah, definitely. A lot of like mapping out. It's like, oh, in August, I'm mapping out how the rest of my year is going to be. Yes. (laughs) Are you able to do this full time now or are you still working at another like a bakery? I actually am doing this full time. Yay. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Sometimes stressful, but mostly fun. Mm, Yeah. Running your own business is always a little of both or a lot of both. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what does a typical week look like for you? So the beginning of the week is when I, on Monday, I had a wedding on Sunday. So on Monday, I just kind of took the day for myself. But typically on Monday, I would print out all the orders that I like received over the weekend or received over the last few days while I was working on other orders. Um... And then just kind of like mock up how many items I need to make of each of each item for the week. And then from there, it's like I just start working on like, okay, every morning I make like a round. I start working on a round of uh, chocolate dice sets to get those kind of like going so that while they're like setting, I can start polishing all of my molds. So I'll take all the bonbons and the chocolate bar molds and I'll polish them all at one time. And then I'll paint them all at one time. And then that's typically like what a Monday or like the first day of the week looks like. And then from there, it just depends. So it's like sometimes on on like Tuesday, I'll kind of work on packaging. So that way, when it comes to all the items like being done, I already have the packaging set up. So once they all are done, I can just easily like slip them all in. And it's like, oh, I have 10 envelopes prepared for like the crisp bars, but I have two envelopes left, so that means I need to make two more bars, you know, that way, like, if 
if something happens, like if something gets lost in translation in my brain, I have like the packaging prepared early enough. So it's like when I'm putting it all in there, it's like I can see if I'm missing something or not. And then later on in the week, I kind of go like through all my emails. I set up what I'm going to like the videos that I'm going to record for the next week. And then I set up like what items I'm going to like push to promote. So it's like, oh, this week, crisp bars didn't really sell, but I have a lot of the ingredients for it. But lavender bars really sold. So I'm going to post more of the crisp bars because the lavender bars didn't sell. So I like work on that kind of stuff. And then on Friday, I go through all the shipping stuff. So I go through and make sure like each order has all their items. And then from there, I get like, because I have to put the all the stuff in insulated packaging. So then it's like I set up all the boxes for the orders and I put like all the items in the boxes so they don't get mixed up. And then from there, I go and put all the, all the stuff in the insulated packaging, get the ice packs ready and all that stuff. And then I close them up and immediately like tape on the shipping labels so I don't mix up orders. And then I typically freeze them over Friday night just because my brain's like, if I freeze it over Friday night and I ship them on Saturday, that makes me feel better about the chances of them melting. But luckily in winter, they don't really melt unless, you know, it's like sometimes if they get left like in a PO box, like for days, then it's like there's a possibility of them melting. But yeah, for the most part in winter, there's not really any issues with that. And then on Saturday, I ship them and then the whole week starts all over again. Do you normally get at least Sundays off? Yeah. See, it's funny because it's like uh, I always tell my boyfriend, I'm like, I feel like I'm always just working because it's like social media when you have a business just feels like work, you know? So it's like every time I'm on social media, I feel like I'm working and I'm like, uh, you know, making connections and stuff like that. And it's like sometimes I just want to go on social media and be like, oh, look, this cool person that I met on Twitter, like, they have a podcast episode coming up today and I can like talk to them about it. But it's just like when you have 20 notifications, it's like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is a lot to <laughs> sit through. So sometimes like if I don't want to work on weekends at all, then, yeah, I, I won't be on social media. But it's kind of like a thing where it's like I'm mentally always working because, yeah, it's like just posting or promoting or like talking to people about stuff like that. But I try. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. It feels like it never ends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I would love to actually ask about some of the backend stuff. So kind of like what you're using for your website, if it's like Shopify or WooCommerce, how what you're using to get your order fulfillment done and all of that fun stuff. I actually use uh, Square. Okay. And it honestly like is the best thing. So through Square, you can make a website with Weebly, I think it's called. And then it's like, so all my website stuff then just goes like in into my Square account. So then it helps me just like, it helps me with the order f- fulfillment. It helps me with like tracking all that stuff. It It's honestly, I don't like, I mean, I've, I haven't used other systems, but it's honestly so amazing to me because it does so much of the work. So it's like, I can just look at things and be like, oh, okay, I know I need to do this, or I know that this is working and this isn't working. But yes, Square, Square dashboard, I recommend it so much. And then, you know, obviously you can just download the app on your phone and then you can have all that information with you like all the time, basically. Cool. Yeah. I really mostly just use it as like, not as like the seller for the most part, other than helping out at work once. <laughs> but yeah, like I, the, all of those platforms are definitely becoming a lot more interesting and user-friendly. So I'm just always curious yeah. what folks are using. Cool. Well, I do want to make sure that we have time to go over a couple questions I like to ask in every interview. So I think you've listened to a few episodes, so hopefully you know this is coming. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I would love to know that just looking back over this journey that you have taken to get to the point that you're at today, what would you say has been the most challenging part? Honestly, the most challenging part is just like when things aren't going the way like you think they should be going, you know, it's like, I think it's just the mental part of just like staying in it. Like when you're just having a bad day 
when like a customer comes back to you and like just something went wrong, you know, it's like, and you can't really fix it at that point. It's like just being able to be like, you know what, this sucked, <laughs> but tomorrow's going to be different. That's, it's so hard. <laughs> Yesterday I was like, I quit. I'm not having a business anymore. <laughs> Screw all of this. I'll send out the orders I have, but I'm done. <laughs> and then I, like later in the day, I'm like, okay, no, I don't quit. Like that was just one bad experience. We'll move past it. But yeah, I think just like the mental aspect of like when things just feel like they're not going right, it's like being able to be like, it will get better because it will. And like, as long as you keep putting work in, it will, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> what have you found helps you get through those times? Be honest, yesterday, like my printer, like just didn't want to print anything. And then someone showed up to pick an pick up an order, but I like didn't send her the confirmation that it was ready. So it wasn't ready yet. And so it was just, you know, like I felt bad. Obviously, I messed up by like not letting her know that it wasn't going to be ready and all that stuff. So it was just like a really hard day. And I just kind of like took a step back and I was like, okay, why am I doing this? Like if I go work somewhere else, like am I going to be doing something that I enjoy? And then I text my boyfriend. I'm like, I want to give up. And he's like, I'll get you boba tonight. I'm like, okay, we're back in business. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, just I think it's like just being able to like calm down and like take a step back and look at like, what my future goals are helps because sometimes in the moment it's hard to like, you know, have a grasp of that. But yeah, like, like I said yesterday, it's like, it took me a moment to be able to like step, step away from everything and be like, okay, like I just need to think about like the future. Like today is a bad day, but I I have to think about like where I want to end up because if I don't, then I'm not going to get there. I like that a lot. I think that's amazing advice. Well, to flip that around, when you look back over the last year and a half-ish, what would you say has been the most rewarding part? I think, honestly, I've I've gotten so many customers that are, like, returning customers, and they write, like, so many nice comments in their order forms, or, like, when they tweet something nice. It's so amazing. Sorry. <laughs> it's just so great. Like, I'm like, wow, these people are so happy. <laughs> but, yeah, just making, like, other people happy is so amazing. No, that is really, really special. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you and really like what you're doing is really cool. Like it's really unique and it's, it does bring like, I mean, chocolate, chocolate just makes people happy, but like, <laughs> especially pretty chocolate that tastes really good. <laughs> yeah. There's actually science about chocolate making people happy. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So you mentioned your kind of goals for the future. So I would just, I would love to hear about them. Like what, what is it that you're hoping that you'll be able to achieve in the next couple of years? And like, what are you working towards? So there's like two, like, I want to, I want to work on opening a storefront and there's two different like ideas or like goals that I have for a storefront. So it would like, I think the first one would be just like a chocolate shop, but also like a bar kind of thing. Cause sometimes I infuse like alcohol in my, mm-hmm. in my chocolates or like sometimes I give like wine pairings. So being able to do something like that is one of my first goals. But then the other goal is I want to open like a chocolate like game shop so that people can come and play like D&D or come and play magic. But you know, it's also like a small like cafe kind of thing where you can get food and there's chocolate there and the chocolate dice would be available there. And just something like that, because it's like, those are two of my favorite things. So I want to be able to like combine them together. Plus, like the community is so great, you know, so it's like, yeah, those are my goals to be able to like, I want to open those two things. But the the chocolate shop slash like bar will probably come first. But yeah, within like the next 10 years, hopefully, like both of them will be open and running smoothly. <laughs> Um, those both sound amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, I used to go to like a coffee shop that was a game being place back when I lived in Uh Texas and it was one of like the coolest places. But now thinking about like, if there were like, if that was a chocolate shop, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those sound super cool. Like, do you kind of have, have you made a business plan to get there? Are you still like just really early and trying to figure out that, like how that'll work? 
Yeah, I've I've made like a business plan for both, but lately like I've been looking at kind of like, you know, nitpicking the business plans to make sure like they're finalized, but I've already done like sketches of how the buildings are going to look and all that stuff. I've just been looking at places so that I can get an idea of like pricing cuz obviously for a business plan you need to know like how much the pricing is going to be before you go into something like that so you know like okay, the first year I'm going to break even, but then the second year I plan to have like this much profit and stuff like that. So I've been working on that kind of stuff. Amazing. Chad, I am so excited to watch you grow and see those like those shops come to reality. I think they're going to be absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Well, Hannah, this has been so fun. And now I just want to eat all of the chocolate. (laughs) So for our listeners who would also like to buy all of your chocolate, where should they go? Where do they find you? So my website is uh, cacaoch3.org. And then also I have like my shop available on Instagram, which is cacaoch3. Perfect. Well, I will definitely have links to those in the show notes. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been really fun. Of course. Yeah, it was a really fun, I was going to say talk, but I guess interview. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. You just finished another episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account or at WCR for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. You can also find us as Lightheart Adventures on both Instagram and Patreon. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.